Welcome to the Recruitment Radio Podcast. My name's Dan Dor, and every month uh, I'm interviewing a different recruitment leader, asking them to share some stories and some wisdom from their distinguished careers. <laughs> uh, I'll also be asking them to select and talk us through four pieces of music and four tracks um, that will feature in my monthly playlist um, that will be available through Spotify, um, through the PowerHive network. Excellent. Uh, the playlists I put together are multi-generational, which means I'm selecting tracks over the last five decades, and uh, a multi-genre, so soul, funk, hip-hop, house, drum and bass, R&B, disco, techno, basically anything that I'm into. Um, and uh, they reflect my own wide musical taste, or so kind of set that, that up that I will put together. Um, they were compiled in answer or response to the common disagreement of what music gets played at work or on a sales floor. Um, they usually start off pretty chilled and, and build from there. I've had loads of fun putting them together. Um, so I hope everyone uh, enjoys them as much as I have. This month's guest is uh, one of the founders of the Power Hive. Um, one of the most colourful characters in recruitment. <laughs> you like that, don't you? I do. Uh, welcome, welcome, Keith Southern. Um, Hello. So before embarking on a career in recruitment, I understand you <laughs> trained as a chef. I did. Um, you studied philosophy at King's College London. I did. Um, <laughs> you worked for Citibank Straight in the city of London. Yes. Um, before joining Progressive in 1993 That's and ultimately right. setting up Manchester, Leeds, Birmingham, Glasgow, so all their regions for them, right? Yes, on the permanent teams. That's right. Is there no end to your talent, sir? There is. <laughs> the, the end is in is nigh. Um, since then, we've moved on to move back to Manchester from London. Okay. Uh, this, this, this is after the is that, progressive, after progressive. Right? So progressive was two thousand and eight. Two thousand and eight, exactly when the flotation happened. Okay. We uh, I got some shares from that. Decided that that was it. Went to live in New York. Um, living in New York, then there was the big financial crash. I lost everything. Had to start again. Then thought, right, roll your sleeves up, here we go, we're going to do something else. Came back to Manchester to set up again, um, rekindled old friendships, Sean McCleary specifically, and then we decided, what a great idea to get together and have a, uh, a recruitment leaders get-together, and hence the Power Hive was formed as an interest. Uh, Power Hive, rather, was formed as an interest. Uh, since then, we've, we've got other recruitment businesses going. Uh, I also have a kind of a radio show myself where I teach automated technology. I'm glad you're used to this setup. <laughs> to, to the radio sector, yeah, a little bit. It's nice, yeah. That's... <laughs> Do a charity, don't want to talk about I've it. I've got the teams <laughs> for it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and since then, uh, we've now got uh, other interests with uh, Generation Nexus, Digital Marketing Agency, with Laura and Ollie, as you may know. Um, and it's just from Strengths and Strengths. So we've got Manchester Power Hive now. We're moving on to uh, London Power Hive. And if my ambition lets me, we're going to hopefully do New York by the end of the year. And you've got a number, a number of other uh, recruitment businesses. I do, right? yeah. So I've still got four what you'd call one-person band shops now. Okay. Um, Humanomics, which is the digital marketing uh, sector, sales and account managers, Superhumanomics, which is the six and yet to be seven figure income bracket. Hopefully we'll get one of those one day. Um, I've got human fintech, financial technology sector, and also uh, Oxyrec, which is a little pun on the uh, the name occupational psychology and employment engagement sector. Wow. Yes. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And I do occasional podcasts like this. <laughs> So um, let, let, let's kick off with a bit of music. Yeah, great um, stuff. I, uh, I asked you to, to select a, a track from your youth, right. something that stood out to you. Yes. Um, what have you chosen and why? There's a nice surprise in this for you. 
So this is a song called This Must Be The Place. It was, first came out in 1982, I think. Um, it was at the height of my school years um, by Talking Heads. And in particular, as I got into the dance music scene, there was a particular remix called The Naive Melody came out. Uh, Naive Melody from Tina Weymouth, the, the bassist, the guitarist, if you remember, from Talking Heads. She said they were just jamming. And it was just a naive melody that they came up with. I think it's one of the greatest songs. Um, it came a big dance track. And interestingly, when I moved to back to Manchester, we lived in Marple for a while. My neighbour, completely by chance, is your business partner, Nick, um, Nick Barrow. Nick Barrow. And Nick and I used to also go around to his house occasionally, and he loved this track as well. And we, we got an affinity immediately with this song. So this is from my youth, but it's also one of the greatest songs that I know. Awesome. Let's, uh, let's hear it. This must be the place, the, the native, no, naive. my naive melody. Indeed, yeah. Um, released 1983, Three years uh, at ago. the height of the, the new wave era. Yep. I can't say that I'm that knowledgeable on, on right. that era of music. Yep. Um, so It was also, believe it or not, it was the song in the Wall Street film. That's right. Where, Chuck, where um, uh, is it Michael Sheen, Charlie Sheen? Charlie Sheen meets Daryl Hannah's with a new apartment. And as they go in, this comes on as well. Yeah. You you were talking before about um, having you know four or five different business careers. <laughs> yeah, that you're currently involved with. Yes. Um, and so to some of the listeners, they're probably thinking, "Wow, how, you know, how do you do that?" And I think, um, from my knowledge of, of what you've been able to do, you've become uh, quite a, a forward thinker and a leader in in really recruitment automation. Yes, right? I'd so, say so. so it's not necessary to have yeah. um, uh, lots of employees Absolutely. to deliver a valued service in a niche sector. Yes. So for, um, for the rising stars out there or yep. you know, the, the new recruitment leaders, can you just highlight or, or sketch out what does that look like? Yeah, then, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so h- how, how do you create that kind of business? Right. And, and what kind of... Uh, pillars or tools of, of automation coming. Yeah. I know that's a big subject. So it is, it is, but it's as simple as possible. I'll do my best. And I think the, the, the point to make on this is actually, it doesn't necessitate that, that you use it for just one, one person bands or small companies. 
you can actually have it as a string to your bow in a larger agency as well. But the point of the automation is the way that I see it, and I think, it, thankfully, it's, it's got a new wave in the industry, and everyone's using automation of some sort. Mm-hmm. If you think back to just job boards or LinkedIn, you can put job alerts on. That's an automation tool, as far as I can see. If you do an email campaign, that's an automation tool. So you can use it in every way and shape it however you, you like. You can get very advanced with it. So the way that I describe it to people that are, are embarking on that journey and, and embracing it, either to make it support their single or small business uh, that they have, or larger industry, is let it do the heavy lifting. You don't need to do the manual tasks anymore. You can do business development through automation. You can do CV searches through automation. You can do pre-qualification of candidates through automation. And the list goes on. Not least of all, putting out your authority. Things like this, podcasts, webinars, uh, video casts, um, in, inviting guests on like we're doing now with experts in the industry. So the idea is you're having the conversations you do have are yeah. already pre-qualified conversations exactly ra- exactly rather that. than going through Absolutely. the lists of, of you know, canvassing different individuals that exactly aren't that. wanting to hear from you, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the best example from a recruitment perspective would be the candidates. If you put the, the right avatar, as we call it, so that's the right person, so your ideal candidate list through a recruitment process, by the time they get automatically booked into your calendar to speak to them, they can be completely pre-qualified. You don't have to do all the legwork for that, the manual hours that you have put in to do that. There's no more 100 calls a day. So when you actually wake up in the morning, you've got your diary full of maybe 10, 20 calls of actual candidates who have been pre-qualified within your niche that you can just go ahead and actually go ahead and speak to them. Where's the human element in this? For, for everyone thinking, yeah. oh, wow, so is, is, is recruitment going to become automated, full stop? Or, you know, are we out of a job in the future? Well, um, not to let the cat out of the bag too soon. Well, I'm working on something now where I think <laughs> possibly. So I'll talk to you that at another time. Uh, but interestingly, in the PowerHive event that we've, we've got today by chance, um, I'm actually talking about exactly that, the human element. And the, the, the message I'm trying to stress is you do still need humans, thank God. They do, you need them in the process. They are what you do. Um, but what you can do with that is you can actually then start to have a proper quality conversation rather than this amazing talent that we have in the recruitment industry wasting their time on what I consider really laborious, mundane tasks and, and almost soul-destroying stuff. You know, 100 calls a day, you would probably get a job. You might have to do 200 calls now to get a job. You might have to do 300 in certain niches to do that. Well, that's a waste of a, a really brilliant talent. So the human element is very important. But let's get rid of all the mundane stuff through systems. They never get tired. They run 24-7. While you're sleeping, they're working for you. And then when you get to actually speak to somebody that it's a proper quality conversation. Is there a limitation on the type of recruitment you know, that you're actually doing, either seniority or niche, no. where, where, where actually the, the automation element yeah, isn't point. as effective? Very good point, actually. And it depends on... Uh, I, I work closely with a guy called Andy Whitehead. He's, um, he has a company called Recruitment Marketing International. His group is called The Inner Circle, right? A bit of a nice pun for him. I hope he pays me for that. Um, but from my perspective, as he says, let the strategy decide based on what you're trying to achieve with your model. So there are, he has multiple strategies. I mean, it goes into the hundreds. But within that group, we've got people who have very senior roles. And I said, what I mean by very senior, one guy's average fee is 150,000 euros. Give you an idea. Okay. That's his average fee, not, not his year. Um, he's doing over three million pounds, just him, a year. Okay, we've got other guy. Um, um, this, that, that particular guy works out of Dublin, mining industry in the Middle East, very senior places, right? So it's quite a tight niche and quite a quite difficult market. We've also got another guy called uh, 
uh, Trevor. He, he, he worked in the States. He does, no disrespect to the industry or, or, or who works in it, but he does very low-level blue-collar nurses to the healthcare sector on a temp kind of contract basis where you're perhaps only getting $20 a day. But he does thousands of them a month. Yeah, he does thousands a month. Whereas Ken will only do perhaps one a month and be happy with that or two a month. This guy will do thousands a month. So the strategy that they use automatically or automatically would actually be very, very different. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Let's um, let's get on to track number two. Yes. Um, we, A we, we segued away, of, uh, <laughs> away from your actual career and talked about uh, marketing automation. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but let's get back to, to you uh, and your coming of age as, yes. a, as an adult, right? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Debatable, yeah. Still not uh, there. So what track have you chosen? This is, this yes. is, this is you know, within your early Absolutely. career. It is. You're, uh, you're, you're rising through, yeah. Um, yeah. Intro it for us, please. Absolutely, yeah. So this was... <laughs> One of my favourites of all time. Whenever it comes on, it's got a softness to it. It makes you actually be pleased that you're into music the way that you are. There is a, uh, it's a go-to when you're feeling down, and it's Massive Attack, Unfinished Sympathy. Uh, I, I'd say from my early university years through to my early career at Progressive, it was always there. And when you're in a chill-out room of any club, it always comes on. Perfect. Symphony, that's the Paul Oakenfold mix. Um, mm. Incredible beats. Very, yeah. The lush vocals of uh, Shara Nelson. That's right. I believe. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, that actually reminds me of my personal university days, throwing parties Does it? in Fallowfield. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and a big part of the 90s rave scene as well. You know, seminal track, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you, you've been in recruitment businesses for uh, <clears throat> over 26 years now. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, um, and no hair to show for it. Could, could you maybe share with um, some of the listeners maybe some of your life methodologies or your life lessons that oh, you've learned wow. over the course of time? Um, yeah. Maybe advice that you would give to a younger version of yourself. You know? Okay, wow. The younger version of myself, without stating the bleeding obvious, I would probably have chosen a different career. <laughs> I would have chosen a different career. However, um, I think if you're going to go into this industry, you have to go into it with the understanding that there's two things you can get out of it. One is you're going to grow. You're going to grow you as an individual 
you're going to be you're going to test yourself like you've never been tested before. Um, I think that will just blow your mind how far you can actually perform. Certainly under pressure, as you as you well know, pressure environments in recruitment. I've never known anything like it. I'm sure a surgeon would argue that it's more difficult <laughs> under doing a heart transplant. But when it comes to that target that you've got to hit. And sometimes it's your life depends on it in terms of this is going to be my income for the is next... Is your first lesson, just to be clear, is your first yeah. lesson here, don't get a job in recruitment? <laughs> no, my first lesson is if you are going to get a job in recruitment, which I think is great, be thankful that you're going to grow with it. Yeah. The second reason you do it is because you can actually change your life financially. And from my perspective, as cheap white trash from North Manchester, it helped me do that. Yeah, um, I think the growth uh, perspective that you've just given is, is absolutely massive because... Yeah. You are constantly out of your comfort zone. On, on I the, am right now. And so, so, so you're learning new stuff all the time, right? You're, you're learning new stuff all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> what other factors that led to you, to your success? Um, it's funny. People will say in recruitment that I'm very competitive. Not me. They will say as a genre, we're very competitive people. We don't give up. We we we're winners. That wasn't one of my drivers. Believe it or not. My, believe it or not, one of my drivers was not wanting to lose. Now, it's very different than actually wanting to win. I didn't really need the, feel the need to want to be number one all the time or to win all the time, but, the, but this drive within me, the kernel knowledge within me, was to ju- just don't lose. And that just stuck with me. And I think that's helped me all the way through. Funnily enough, you remember the club lunches we used to go on? Yeah. Uh, uh, one of our old bosses, or my old bosses at uh, Progressive, Sunil, um, he said, um, the target for this month's club lunch is this number. And it got stupid. You know, these days, if you do a deal, you can go on a club lunch. And it got to the point where it was 10 deals in a month to get on club lunch. And I, would, and I was only motivated by that. So where I could actually do more, as soon as I'd done 10 deals, I'd just take my foot off the pedal and go, that's it. I've achieved what I want to do. To his fury, of course, because he's like, you could do so much more. But that was my motivation to get on certain things. So hitting certain targets and not wanting to lose against those targets was, was my big driver. We're all motivated in kind of different ways, I guess. And I think one of the standout memories that I've got from, from uh, <laughs> back in the day, you, you mentioned Nick Barrow. Yes, right? indeed, yeah. Um, but it was a time where uh, a lot of the, the S3 brands yes. um, were very competitive with each other. And really breaking that mould yeah. in Manchester. That's how Nick and I forged a relationship. Was how, how yourself and Nick forged a relationship. Absolutely. How I got introduced to you. Yeah, it was, right? yeah. And it, that was under collaboration, really. That it was. was really under trying to help each other from a, from a place of abundance and like everyone can I be agree. successful. We don't yeah. have to be, you know, There's no hate. Competitive. We don't have to hate each yeah. other, right? Yeah. Barriers can come down. Yeah. And I think that essence has been carried into, it's one of the, the, the reasons why... We do this. I, we do this. Yeah. Yeah, so. well, your, your um, link with you, Gareth, and Nick, I thought was, was, was classic. It was exactly what, if you were to write a picture storybook of what do you want to do from recruitment, it came together so perfectly. I think when Amoria Bomb forged, for me, I was just going, oh, shit, I wish I was part of that. Because that was such a nice thing that you did. And... No, no surprise with three of you guys with the way that you all are quirky as hell beautiful as hell but also with the relationships that you have through music um, I'm just not surprised that you've got what you are I'll, I'll take that as an endorsement <laughs> let's move on to uh, track number three yes um, so this is a piece of music that re- re- yes. represents a memorable occasion or, or a personal memorable it does. occasion okay. it does indeed what, what have you chosen yeah for? absolutely so I've always been a big Depeche Mode fan right from the start uh, add the hair add the outfit, add the campness, add everything that went with Depeche Mode in the 80s. When it came to 
the uh, late 80s, 90s, and then into rave culture, um, massively into uh, Sasha and Digweed as DJs. Uh, Northern Exposure, I thought, was one of, one of the best albums released in rave, certainly in the early 90s. I think it was seminal for, for that. From there, out of nowhere, they came up with doing a remix for Depeche Mode. One of the, one of, well, again, so many Depeche Mode songs, probably 250 you could choose from. But Enjoy the Silence is such a good song. Sasha and Digweed remix. It's kind of a trance, dance, chilled version. Uh, and it takes about two or three minutes to get into the vibe. But once you're in it, I think you can go back to it. Now, the reason why that specifically stood out for me was, um, remember the club space? Of course you do. Um, we used to go there quite a lot. <laughs> and there was one moment specifically, let's say we'd had a few drinks. Space Ibiza. Space Ibiza, Ibiza that's right. Space no, no. Elite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe the drinks took us to space as well, but who knows. Um, but the Space Ibiza, I remember standing on the terrace uh, with the group that we had. So uh, Mike Smith was there, Lord Clements and all the lot, Russell and everybody else. And out of nowhere, Sasha's on playing Enjoy the Silence, Depeche Mode remix. And that was the moment that really stood out. Let's dive in. Silence. That's the the Sasha and Digweed mix. Yes. Very amazing soundscapes. Their their uh, trademark break beats from yeah. the when the the, the uh, Northern Exposure CD era of Sasha and Digweed, right? Renaissance kind of time. Yeah. Um, so thanks for sharing uh, that. Um, I uh, you've been in recruitment a while, like we were discussing. So yes. um, you must have seen. Uh, mm. s- quite some, <laughs> some uh, things. interesting things, right? And this, oh. this is the part of the podcast where I'm going to ask you to dish a little bit of dirt. Oh, right? I see. You, you put know? me on the spot. So, uh, ah. put you on the spot and ask you to maybe share share a story okay. or, or maybe... Um, yeah, uh, I've got one. Got, got something? Yeah, I've got one that's not too rude and it's also gives you an idea of the... Yeah, don't go triple X. Let's keep those no. <laughs> in, in the top line. That's for right? later, yeah. yeah. Uh, right, this is, I think this is a message as You've well. You've got your brand to protect as well. I right? have, yeah. Well, it, it's not to do with me. Uh, That's my brand rather it's to do with me but it's not to do with my brand but I think this gives you a really good indication of you asked the question earlier about recruitment and what to expect within it what could you give a listener um, some advice this is advice and a half so I'd worked my socks off to get to the first promotion in Progressive right the first promotion in Progressive was getting from consultant to senior consultant right ridiculously difficult if you know Sonal Wicks uh, and, and, and no doubt you'll listen to this he knows what a, 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 how much you banged the drum of how difficult it was to get your first promotion. I, I did it. it. Took me eighteen months. 
we went out, we celebrated. I got in the next morning, 10 past nine, and he demoted me. For being... For being late 10 minutes. No way. And I was demoted for another six months. That gives you an idea of recruitment. And I think if you're not comfortable with that happening to you in your life and coping with it, this ain't for you. It's building resilience, surely, right? Yeah. Yeah, it did. But that was amazing. So it took me that long and he went, are you late? And he was out with me as well. That's the cheeky bit. It's it's interesting to see how it's evolved. (laughs) Now, obviously, I think, you know, the the step from a a trainee to a a consultant to a senior is a lot shorter. It seems to be. Because people need that regular gratification and progression, right? Yes, absolutely. We talked about millennials, didn't we, like a few weeks ago. And we talked about those guys saying they need something sooner. So bizarrely, and it sounds silly this, but... You know, for any millennials out there, don't think we don't know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. We know how to manage that. But we'll cater for it. So if you're thinking you're going to get two or three promotions and things are going great, you're actually only getting to the same level you were going to be at anyway. Because it's not actually about promotion at the end of the day. It's about you and your growth and where you're going to develop. And whether you can take things on sooner or later, you're still going to be growing in the same manner that you would anyway. Good stuff. Cool. Um, if, if I locked you in a room... Uh-oh. For, with for a strobe. For a year, <laughs> with a strobe, a disco ball, okay. and one album. Ah. What would that album be? Wow. That's an amazing question. You're going to get quite bored of it. Clearly. No. No. I, do you know what then? I, I, we've mentioned it already. I think I would probably, if that's the case, it's such a difficult question. It's got such an eclectic mix in my cupboard. Let's go for one. Okay. I'm going to go with an Ian Brown one then, which is funny enough going to bring us on to the next question I think anyway nice tea up yeah, yeah it is nice tea up isn't it yeah I'd probably go with an Ian Brown one um, because it's got words it's got good vibes got chill out um, um, the world is yours probably okay so you've you, great great answer you've actually chosen your next track yeah was, 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 was a, a personal choice yes absolutely yeah for, yeah. Uh, for you so and you have chosen another Ian Brown track, so do you want to talk us through Yeah, that absolutely, one? yeah. And, and, and it's funny that you asked that question, because it has teed it up quite nicely. Um, the, when the Stone Rose is finished, everyone thought, that's it. This is, this is the end of, of what we thought as a mad Chester scene, the end of an era. And it was over. We are leaving university. You've now got to go and get a job. You've got to get your hair cut. That's it. What a great you know, ride we've had. Uh, and we're all waiting for not just a second coming in the album, which is great as well, but then the third coming, but didn't come. However, in the background, little do we know that Ian Brown's going to go and do something on his own. And I dare say, equally as good, if not better, than some of the stuff he's done. Uh, he came out with Fear, F-E-A-R. Yeah. Um, unbelievable lyrics. Poignant oh, lyrics, aren't they? Poet, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. Poignant, timely, passionate, endearing, everything that comes with it. And then, of course, because the rave scene at the time... Um, I'm so glad you chose the uncle. Yeah, uh, uncle. What, you know what production? I know, right? Just what they do? Lovely, great you, beats. They're, amazing. They're chill, but they're having it. You know, and that's what this is. So this yeah. is. I mean, interestingly, you said um, I want certain kind of music genres, and there were some that we, so, so we say, kicked into touch because it's not our flavour. Which I, I won't mention what they are. It's not fair to those that like it. However, this has got um, breakbeat, drum and bass. It's got raving. It's got lyrics. It's got indie. Um, amazing track but the Uncle remix of F-E-A-R Ian Brown perfect
Ian Brown uh, with Fear, that's the Uncle remix, released in 2001. Yeah. It actually won the uh, NME yeah. Award for Best Single that year. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Um, so, uh, Keith, you like to discuss quite deep and meaningful <laughs> topics. Sometimes, or have been known to. Sometimes yeah. we're not wanted. So your, your philosophy <laughs> studying background really comes out. So, um, yes. here's one for you. Okay. The year is 2025, you know, but maybe six years from now. Okay. What does the future of the recruitment industry look like? Wow. Okay. What, what, what threats yeah. are there, but what opportunities are there? There are some big threats, actually. Let's start with some, a couple of big threats first. The industry grew last year, I understand, about 6 7% of a $12 billion industry, right? This year, so far, it's not done even 1% growth. Now, if that 1% growth is an indication of anything, there'll be a knock-on effect from that. There'll be less available to the people that are in the industry now. It might come into, and again, no disrespect, it might turn into a 1980s estate agency realm where you once could earn 100K and now you can't, you can earn 35K, and that's your lot. You get a BMW and 2.4 kids or whatever it is, and that's your lot. So if you're not careful, it's going to go down that route. However... What I do think is another, another avenue which is a very positive light. Um, I'm discussing at the moment with um, the British Institute. Sorry, just to, yeah, just, sure. just to clarify what you just said there, because that, that's quite a negative uh, yeah, picture, but it's an worrying. honest one, right? Yeah. But that's just because of the competition, the amount of agencies that another are 6, this year doing again. the same thing that they've always done, not innovated enough, yeah. you know, so therefore that dilution, that margin pressure yeah. leads le- le- it's becoming a job rather than it was before. I, th- I didn't see it as a job before. Okay. I thought this was an opportunity. And I think if you start to use it as a job, it's going to lose its flavour. That's the, that's the downside. But don't get me wrong, I think there's plenty in this industry still that's going to go further. Make me feel good. What yeah, okay. Well, there's, there's a couple of upsides. Um, I think it's going to go chartered. It's going to be, take maybe five years. It'll go chartered. It'll have the same calibre as it should. There's lawyers and accountants. I think that's one thing that we're going to look forward to. I know Appsco have just launched their uh, MBA. Have they? Uh, right. In conjunction with... Great uh, stuff. I think Cranfield Business School or something. Oh, like interesting. So there are more accreditations yeah. coming through, right? I think yeah. you can now do a degree in recruitment. I, I, yeah, no doubt you can. Uh, I talked to British Institute recruiters, same thing. But also, um, it's changing. You know, smartphones, tablets. You know, sat at a desk is such an old school mentality. And I think when, in the nicest possible way, when we die out at our age group or our, our genre, our, our age section of recruitment, I don't mean die actually, I mean die out, we're no longer there in the industry, it'll have a complete revolution in the sense that you won't have any uh, five-day weeks. There won't be those 70-hour weeks anymore. It probably isn't now in most companies. Um, but as we've seen with large agencies like yourself, with Frank Group and S3, you can still have a massive industry out of this. Um, but I just I think it's going to go more boutique. Yeah, I th- uh, for me personally, I, I think you've touched on some changes in the workplace that will affect every industry, not yep. just necessarily uh, yes. re- recruitment. Yeah, um, certainly marketing automation and how and how you mesh that into your yep. your process flows is actually an important part of staying relevant and innovating in the future. Video yes. can play a big part. Yeah, there's, there's products but that, like like interview, for instance. Absolutely, well, I'm talking later and. In 2011, on one of the um, slides that I have, there was 150 or so recruitment marketing or marketing technology companies, yeah. uh, which included within recruitment as well. Um, as of today, there was over 7,000 marketing technology companies. They were also going to be specialising in certain sectors 
as we know with Generation Nexus, they do it with recruitment. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to have a massive effect because it's just the way that people want to learn them. Yeah, so I think the way in which you um, contact individuals will yeah. change the, the, the medium of doing so yeah, has already so. started to shift. Video hugely so. But ultimately, there, you know, there is still a place for a relationship where there's value it's essential. to be had. It's right? essential, isn't and it? As long as, you, as long as the recruitment industry points its way into continually adding value, yeah. accessing skill sets that companies find very difficult to do themselves, Absolutely. then I think you know, you're, you're almost ring-fencing your relevance for the future. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think also that will breed the better quality of service as well because of that. Perfect. All right, I think that's about all we've got time for. Okay. Um, thank you so much for coming and sharing your thoughts. You're very welcome. Um, very Thanks insightful. Um, carry on being colourful. <laughs> Please don't change. And... Um, <laughs> I wish you uh, every success for the future. No Thank worries. You. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Keith Thanks for the invitation. Love Cheers. it.